Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Craig Simpson, and I'm here with first-time guest Laura Eagle to talk about the song Brontosaurus off of Book. Here we go. It had been I'm good. I'm excited to talk. I feel like this is like a long time coming. Yeah. Is that just me? Yeah, I'm excited to get on the on uh, the hop on this train, this bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's just like it's been such a good way to get to know people better than just like Facebook comments <laughs> or whatever. Or even, you know, I know no one likes to talk on the phone anymore. But like, yeah, I feel like it's... you get to know someone better, like actually having a conversation than just like you know, three dots and then they, they send their message and then three dots and you send your message just back yeah, and forth. I'm, I'm old enough to remember, you know, like people calling you on your landline and, you know, um, answering machines and like there wasn't an expectation that somebody was going to necessarily have to call you back five seconds later. I know. Um, you had but to be you patient. Could also, yeah, but you could also usually get a hold of someone if they were at home. And if they weren't at home, they wouldn't want to talk to you anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, and busy signals is something I don't know if <laughs> people know about these days. Uh, yeah. And, and, or, or, or people, people in the dating world these days, you know, you don't have to call, you know, your girlfriend's uh, parents' house and, and be like, please don't let dad pick up. Please don't let dad pick up. Pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. No! <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't have a cell phone until like college. So. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. I think senior year of college. Well, when was college for you? I was 99 to 2003. Um, I was 2002 is when I started. Um, I finished in 2007 technically, um, even though it was four years, but, uh, but yeah, I, I got out of high school and started college in, uh, 2002. 
Yeah, the early aughts, the cell phone there. Yeah. I remember being so embarrassed when it went off once in a class. And uh, <laughs> oh, back then it was uh, oh. it was it was no beepers, no pagers. Yeah, because right. you got a you got a beep or a page while you were in class, you must be dealing drugs or buying drugs. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we've been, uh, you know, interacting and, and, and mingling on the, the various Facebook groups for They Might Be Giants for, for quite a while. Um, but I don't know if I've heard much about your, like, origin story of your, your fandom. I mean, it's like, again, the social media stuff, like you get little sprinkles of things that like, you know, getting it all laid out nice for you is, is, is pretty rare. So Mm -hmm. let's, yeah, let's jump right into that and and tell the folks how you got into TMBG. So, um, it's actually a pretty good, uh, um, coming off of what we were just talking about because we're going back to, um, the very early days of social media and fandom. Um, I wasn't uh, I wasn't there for Usenet groups and yeah. uh, and that kind of thing, but um, but news groups like Alt Dot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have a computer even. Um, I went. I would go to the library and get on the computer and um, hang out with and talk to in chat rooms and such other kids in the hall fans that was me i was i was going to the library just to talk to people about kids in the hall which (laughs) was already off the it was just in reruns at that point anyway but yeah um, you didn't know anyone in real life who was a fan (laughs) of kids in the hall yeah it was hard to find like i i you know once in a while you find somebody Mm -hmm. um when i started dating it was kind of like that's the kind of guy i go out with if he doesn't like them (laughs) we're not going to get along. Um, and that became, you basically, you have to like kids in the hall and they might be giants. Otherwise I know that we're too different. Um, <laughs> we are so, incompatible. <laughs> if you don't have my musical sensibilities and comedic sensibilities, at least, you yeah. know, what, what, what if they just think they might be giants are pretty good. Um, they don't have to be obsessed with either, okay. but if I'm, gotcha. if somebody's like, like, I don't know, kids in the hall, they're not funny as stupid. Then I just know we're not gonna get along. Like they're entitled to their opinion, but we're not gonna we're not gonna see eye to eye on things. Mm-hmm. Um and if they're willing to listen to They Might Be Giants, go with me to They Might Be Giants shows, they don't have to love them. Um, but I did end up with someone who is a pretty big fan. Perfect. Um, but so uh so People who are obsessive fans of Kids in the Hall back in like the year 2000 um, are also obsessed with either um, bare naked ladies mm-hmm. or they might be giants. Those are like the Kids in the Hall fan bands, mm-hmm. um, and they're both bands that uh, that the Kids in the Hall themselves are fans of. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, That'd be a dream to get one of them yeah. on the podcast sometime. <laughs> I should I should try and pursue that. It doesn't seem totally out of the question. Um, yeah, Kevin. <clears throat> like I can't speak for Kevin McDonald, but he's a uh, he's very outgoing these days, and he's doing um, his own uh, podcasts and one man shows um, in the states a lot. 
Um, and there was a picture of him that I loved. I can't find it anymore, but way back in the day on the Google searches, before Google searches, I'm sorry, the Lycos, Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves, yeah. <laughs> um, there was a photo of him signing autographs in a They Might Be Giants t-shirt. It's adorable. Mm. Um, nice. What t-shirt so was it? I don't remember. Ah. I really don't remember. <laughs> um, it definitely said their name in big letters, so um, it wasn't cryptic. <laughs> like um, all their modern shirts. Um. Yeah, they've gotten more cryptic over the years. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we want more art on here. We can't have all these words. It'll say they, if anything, or TMBG at most. Um, so since they were being recommended to me, um, and I kind of, you know, we got some um, Bare Naked Ladies on the radio one week. It just, like, I wasn't in love. Um, but uh, I didn't know if I knew any They Might Be Giants. Mm-hmm. So quickly did I learn <laughs> that um, they did those two uh, they did those two bits in that Tiny Toon Adventures episode. Um, and Tiny Toons, when it was on, it was my favorite show. So good. I loved it. Yeah. So I always remembered those. And then I felt like I, I felt like I, I knew the name from just like concert listings on the radio and stuff because I'm from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it was pretty frequent that when they, when the DJs used to like read out all the concerts coming up, um, that their name would come up. And then I, I felt, I was like, you know, I think I've heard birdhouse, but I, or some of these, but I can't like, I don't know when or where, but, um, so I got, uh, actually, um, we were, we were members of BMG. My dad got the BMG music yeah. catalog. <laughs> Um, for those who don't know, it's there was like Columbia House and BMG and others, other clubs um, <laughs> where you would buy uh, albums, CDs, cassettes um, from them that they sort of had the distributing rights for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would offer you deals like 11 discs for, you know, a penny yeah. if you if you sign up. So my dad would let me buy one or two once in a while from the catalog. Nice. Um, so I got the, not then the earlier years collection, mm-hmm. but the early years collection the- um, <laughs> that BMG put out, um, oh. which was just a handful of songs. Huh. Um, so it's, is uh, this specific release listed on the discography in the wiki? It is. It is in the wiki. Um, okay. So it's just, co- oh, best of the early years. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that is what I got, um, in, on a CD cause I finally had a CD player. And, uh, <laughs> so that was, that was my first, um, purchase. And then, um, I may have purchased something else at the same time to really give them a chance or soon after, mm-hmm. um, that would have been, um, something on the older side, but I don't remember like, like John Henry or, or something. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I really got into it. Um, it was a um, mink car was about to come out. Um, so uh, being in Brooklyn also and finding out that they're they're around there, um, I was old enough to go to concerts almost. So um, I think the second concert I ever went to was... Uh, like January 2002, I think. Um, mm, mm-hmm. uh, 
to see them. Um, nice. They opened for themselves as Sapphire Bullets of Pure Love. Oh, wow. You got to um, see one of those. Yeah, and I didn't really know what they looked like, and I wasn't I wasn't in on the joke. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole time I was like, wait, wait, no, that's them, right? Okay, but I can't be sure. Oh, God. I'm pretty sure it is. But, yeah, they had, like, their fake names and their whole backstory. <laughs> yeah, the only band that matters. The only thing might be Giants tribute band that matters. And then they came back out after um, after the little interval with the, without the hats on. And then they were They Might Be Giants. They only <laughs> did this three times and you saw one of them? <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. I, 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 it was only three I, times. I assumed at the time that it was something they do all the time. But it's just that yeah. once. It's crazy. So <laughs> the members of Sapphire Bullets, Tyler, Jared, Dylan, Corey, and Parker. <laughs> Tyler is Flans. Jared is Linnell. Uh... What does this say? Dylan is... What the fuck does that say? Dan Hickey is Corey. Weinkoff is Parker. What? Um, that should say Miller. Why does it say Soldier? Go look on the... Look on the wiki for Sapphire Bullets. What the hell does that say? And then it also has Tim is Justin. I don't know either of those people are these... Sapphire And Jim is TJ? What? Okay. And why does it say 94 Syracuse? They only did this in 2001 and um, once in 2003. I'm seeing that Dylan, I guess, has the maybe had a, a nickname, Stormy Black, or or maybe had maybe Dan Miller had um, that na- the one name at one show and the other name at another time. Is that what what I'm seeing is Dylan slash Stormy Black um, was Dan Miller. Uh. I just, it looks like, there's one image here in Sapphire. It looks like, Sol, it says, Flans, Linnell, Solder, so older, Five Older. I don't know what that says. Mm-hmm. Are we looking at the same yeah, picture? Sure. Are you looking at this? Are you looking at this one? It's like um, a picture yeah. on the carpet. Oh, are Solder, you looking at the paper? Folder. Yeah, the paper. Oh, I was just reading it off the, the text of the mm. of the article there. Um, and Stormy Black was recruited for Sapphire Bullets after winning a competition called M- Guitar Mageddon. <laughs> um, so that is cute. And I, I believe they were from Buffalo, New York. It doesn't uh, doesn't say that here, but I believe they were from Buffalo. They were definitely from upstate. Sure, is Syracuse? <laughs> Could have been Syracuse. Yeah. Um, it was one of those. Oh, TJ. Okay, Jim O'Connor, the trumpet player. Gotcha. Timothy Newman on trombone. Timothy Newman. I don't know if I've talked about him before. I guess I probably did. He played on SCXXY. Oh, he's a trombonist in the video for Dr. Worm, even though he's not the one playing. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they only did this January 27th, 2001. Oh, Halloween, Halloween 2001. And April 28th, 2003. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. Then I think it was the 2001 one. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. It was because I, I'll tell you, um, I really, really wanted to be able to say that that was my first concert alone, that my first rock show. Mm-hmm. I wasn't alone, but without parents. Um, You're right. Gotcha. Unfortunately, it was not because 
I had previously won tickets on the radio to see um, Hole and Marilyn Manson on their mm. Manhole tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Manhole tour that that didn't work out because they quickly, um, you know, they hated uh. each other, so it quickly split up. Um, and so uh, I'm. I still went, even though Hole was more of the attraction for me. Yeah. So my first concert was Marilyn Manson and Monster Magnet. It's really not who I am. <laughs> I respect it, but I, I wouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did go see Hole uh, separately, and that was lovely. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it was great. I'm looking at the uh, the fan recap by somebody mainly for the, the 2001, the the January 27th, 2001 show. Um, and it says that during the show, um, Mike Doty came out to sing Your Mom's All Right and Robin sang Dr. Evil and In the Middle. This yeah, like I believe it. As I've definitely seen, I've seen Doty with them um, more than once. I don't know if it's more than twice, but I know it's more than once. All New Yorkers. You New Yorkers, how many times have you seen them total? I lost count. It's, Damn, I'm not good at, I'm not good at counting. Um, last time I was thinking like 17, mm-hmm. you know, to tw- anywhere from 15 to 20, I'm going to say. See, that's a reasonable amount of shows for a New Yorker. Some of these people, they get nutty. <laughs> they used to do free shows a lot in like Prospect Park or Central Park. Um, so that was easy. You didn't have to pay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so stuff like that made it a lot, a lot easier um, to see them, and uh, and yeah. So it was. Um, I think I, I may have. I don't remember if I saw them when I lived in Seattle too. I saw a lot of bands there, um, but yeah, being in Brooklyn um, was a good was a good uh, place to be as a fan. <laughs> yeah. um, and then um, I'm in Connecticut now, but I just moved here this oh, okay. year from um, Northern Westchester. Um, and the town that I lived in was basically right next to Pleasantville. Like I really liked Pleasantville and the Pleasantville, the Pleasantville, Pleasantville music festival never had anybody that I was interested in seeing for seven years. I moved (laughs) and they might be giants headlined it. Nothing you listen to is pleasant. That's the problem. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah then tmpg are like we're headlining pleasantville i'm like oh you're kidding me <laughs> now that i left <laughs> pleasantville just makes me think that was a movie right toby mcguire and, and <laughs> yeah who? there's um, a a lot of pleasantvilles in oh, the Reese u.s Witherspoon. yeah well just makes people want to move there <laughs> yeah pleasantville's a interesting little town um, but it's uh, it's pretty plain. Well, what, pretty took to, what took you to Connecticut? Connect, um, basically, we we were just had to move out of where we were um, because the rent was going up insanely, constantly, mm-hmm. and it just was not worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, it was, you know, this one bedroom nowhere near the train, like. We start when we got there, it was like, you know, 13 something. And then it was going up to like 1800. And I'm like, no one would pay 1800 to live here. And yeah. I don't have 1800. Yeah. Um, so we were just looking for places to go. And we just, um, we always liked New Haven. 
we we have seen we've seen they might be giants over here at, at College Street before we moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, oh yeah, we were we were kind of in the in the process of moving in at the end of 2022. Uh, mm-hmm. So we uh, we came out here. We got a couch delivered from IKEA. Um, and then we, that was uh, New Year's Eve day. So then we went out and saw they might be giants for New Year's Eve and Amazing. then came home and slept in our apartment for the first time. Cool. Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're, you're still East coasters. You're still going to get way more. They might be giant shows than I am. Well, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so book is still, uh, currently the newest, they might be giants. So it feels weird that like, it's going to be like two years and we haven't had a new album. <laughs> we, we, were, we were so spoiled by them in like, well, I mean, 2018, I guess we went from December, 2018 to November, 2021 without an album. But, um, you know, that was COVID times. And now yeah. we're like, where's the new album guys? Oh, they're constantly <laughs> stopping and starting this flood tour. They are I'm ridiculously sure prolific. They are. I'm sure this this flood tour, this off and on thing, like cannot be very good for uh, yeah. productivity. It's like constantly rescheduling things and and all this. And now there's this other thing going on. I mean, I don't know. By the time this yeah. airs, maybe we'll know what what happened there. Some sort of illness mm-hmm. is keeping them in right. the states. And they had to cancel all these international shows. Which, understandably, people are bummed about, but you can't blame them for that. And it's just, it, uh, you know, it's so vague. It's like, um, you guys going to be all right? I mean, they're, they're, they're not young yeah. men anymore. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, I feel like it's extra weird because last time something happened to them, um, we knew exactly what it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Health-wise, um, and uh, this time it's it's a it's a mystery. Yeah. Um, and like, hopefully nothing I, I, too serious. I mean, COVID is starting to come back around again a bit mm-hmm. in, in pockets and places. But I feel like they might have just said that that's what it was if that was the case because they've been very open about right um, and very vocal about masking at concerts and you know pro vaccines obviously and all this. So like, I feel like they like. Well, I got COVID. Sorry, guys. We got to wait. I mean, but if it was just it, it, just COVID, if COVID like runs its course in the healthy person or whatever, you know, if in a week, you know, you're ready to go. Then they're, they're canceling this like entire swath of shows makes it seem like it's more serious. It's not just like, oh, we had to cancel the first five shows or whatever. Yeah, no, it's definitely concerning. Um, but, uh, you know, um, we're... Um, we, we kind of are accustomed to like Flansburg telling us everything all the time. So I yeah. feel like we're just like, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? But, yeah. um, uh, it's not, not entirely our business. No, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. Um, in September, say September 14th, there was just an email that came in today talking about new merch releases, the Elsa on vinyl, which is awesome. And like, if you scrolled down the email, it had just the same message as before. Like I was scrolling, I was like, oh, is there some sort of update on like health stuff? And just had the exact same text as before. So no, um, no update on that. So yeah, I mean, we can't be so nosy, but it's, it's just, you know, we're just, we're, we're, 
worried about our boys. Oh yeah, we we care. It, it's definitely um, not from a place of well, like oh, what's so serious that you had to cancel your shows? But like yeah. more like you know, walk it off. Oh, what's so serious <laughs> that you had to cancel your shows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when when book came out, we were still you know, I guess. In that weird in-between time where we're like, is COVID, what's what's going on here? It's another strain of COVID and all this stuff. It's like, it was uh, just a weird time, November 2021. When, when Book came out, I feel like for a lot of people, it was a grower of an album. Um, oh, what yeah. were your thoughts on Book when it, when it hit? I, I didn't, I wasn't very impressed at first. Mm. Um, and I'm also, I'm, I was disappointed Mm. if this is not too weird i was disappointed that this concept book that it didn't have the album music had nothing to do with it Mm. Uh, that they named it book because it came with a book and yet the music (laughs) had nothing to do it could have been called anything it just got called book because there was a book coming out (laughs) and like that actually bothered me (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the concept was, yeah, kind of disjointed, I guess, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, the book had a sleeve with the CD in the back, if that's the, if the way you got it. Yeah. But you think there should have been more, uh, you know, synchronicity between them? Yeah, I felt like it would make sense to like have, um, have this idea and like have your, not necessarily like have all the songs be about books like a concept album but like it didn't seem like they started this album did started these songs with the intention of making an album called book yeah i Um, I think you're probably right about that um but and it also i didn't like at first um is a much like sparser sound there's there's a lot um i don't know all these production terms but um but I like fun was like very, very full, like to my ears, like it was, it was, um, it was like very, very thick, <laughs> dense, um, mm-hmm. musically. And it was like really rocking like that. And then this was, um, very, very quiet. And so it, it surprised me, but, um, I always listen a million times um, to these things, and and I, it really did grow on me. It really did a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, interesting how those ha- that happens, but yeah, I, I I came to appreciate it a lot. Yeah, doing doing a bunch of episodes on the on the songs when it was still a fairly new album really made me come around on a bunch of them. Like "If Day for Winnipeg" comes to mind, being one that. I was just kind of like, when I first heard it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of odd. And then as I dug into it, I'm like, this is kind of odd. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's weird the way they rolled it out with, um, well, I Lost Thursday just kind of came out as just like a, yeah. just like a one song. We're just like, okay, there's new They have Giant song. Cool. No announcement or anything. And then they're like, oh, that was the first single. Like, you know, like a month later, they're like, oh, okay, that was, that was the first single. Okay. And that song kind of hit like it was like recorded during COVID and about COVID and just like totally like seemed like a COVID song about COVID. (laughs) And then it, it, you know, it, it was part of this larger project. Yeah. But I don't think it originally was like you were saying, like, I don't think they're like, it just sort of fills it. It just feels like it. (laughs) Yeah. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about Brontosaurus here, which it's kind of surprising that I'm just now getting to this song um, because this, uh, I mean, even the band feels like it's one of the hits in in that's one that they're playing uh, live. Um, The episodes I've done so far, I did a good chunk of them. Um, I've done Synopsis, I Broke My Own Rule, uh, Lord Snowden, If Day... I can't remember the dream, uh, darling. Of the dose. I lost Thursday, and part of you wants to believe me. So I have cranked out quite a few <laughs> on this so far. But uh, you know, doing deeper cuts like uh, you know Lord Snowden and Darling the Dose before getting to Brontosaurus. I, I, it when when you when I asked you to be on, I think you were kind of surprised that it was still open, weren't you? I, <laughs> I was. I, I really was. Um, I, it really was. It's like it is. I think it is a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Um. It's a really fun one on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. And it's got that prime slot. You know, the the on an album. You know, it's like number one. You got to start an album off with banger, right? And number three and four usually some of the 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 big hitter tracks. Um. And yeah, it gets that number four slot right there. So jumping into um. Brontosaurus talk is they've played, yeah they played this one fifty one times and we'll listen to uh, some of those though they didn't they didn't they didn't kick it off right away and again the I mean all the flood show nonsense and all that um, they didn't play it until a full year after the album was out but they've been they've been rocking it quite a bit now um, should we talk about the actual Brontosaurus stuff first as in the dinosaur. <laughs> I know you had some thoughts on this. I mean, maybe we should uh, should we uh, read the Linnell quote? I mean, they they lean, they sort of uh, yeah they they feed into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want to read that? You got the trivia up in front of you. You want to read that quote from uh, the, from an uh, interview um, with uh, WBRU? You got that in front of you. You want to read that? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, John Linnell said, a dinosaur is a metaphor for something that is ancient or extinct. And there is this notion that artists or bands can be dinosaurs. And that just means that they're old hat. That's part of the idea. Then there is this thing that was not at all explicit, but was in my mind. The name Brontosaurus itself has also kind of gone extinct. They're not called brontosauruses anymore for some reason. I think they were lumping together creatures that should not have been lumped together and called them brontosaurus. So that's not really essential to appreciating the song, but that is part of my understanding. Even the name brontosaurus is from the past and no one uses it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, so then I got confused looking at it. I'm just like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> does Wikipedia even have a you know a page for Brontosaurus? Does it not exist anymore? And then I, it, it does. There is a Wikipedia page for Brontosaurus, and I'm reading and reading and getting confused because I had thought that the Brontosaurus was like, oh, it was um, uh, one uh, dinosaur's head on another dinosaur's <laughs> body. They'd mashed it together as Brontosaurus, and they had gotten it wrong, and now it's not actually a a thing anymore but then i'm reading it i'm like wait is it a thing it it seems like you know more about this than i do you want to yeah to to educate Um, me on what the (laughs) hell is going on here so you know i had to study up to remember the details and such but um 
I mean, if you try to look at all the taxonomy of the brontosaurus through Wikipedia, so if you go and click on, like, click on the the subfamily they're supposed to be in, or the the family, the superfamily to order, mm-hmm. um, you'll get to these different pages where people are are disagreeing on what goes where. Mm. So they don't um, they don't even make sense together um, <laughs> because it's Wikipedia. It's not like it's not all from one perspective. Right. Um, so uh, so we have to go beyond Wikipedia. Um, um, so Brontosaurus was in the group um, sauropods, which are really, really big dinosaurs with long necks and long tails. Um, they lived in the late Jurassic period. So that's like 155, 145 million years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the first, um, bits of Brontosaurus was discovered in the 1870s in the USA. This was, this was an American animal. Um, and, uh, in the late 1800s, there was kind of a dinosaur rush there was a lot of interest in um, going out to these places in the West and getting as many bones and naming as many new things as you could. (laughs) Um, So this guy, um, Othniel Charles Marsh, um, he found an Apatosaurus in 1877. He named this animal the Apatosaurus Ajax um, in Colorado. Mm. And then two years later, um, another sauropod-type dinosaur was found in the same place. Mm. Um, it was fairly complete. It seemed a little different than the Apatosaurus, and Marsh named it Brontosaurus excelsus, mm. which means noble thunder lizard. <laughs> um, but a little bit after he died, so now we're talking about 1903. Um, so we're we're kind of under the impression that the the brontosaurus name got canceled recently but it was in 1903 um that is where um a scientist called elmer riggs uh published a paper where he argued that there wasn't enough differences between apatosaurus and brontosaurus that they're not two different genera Mm. they're one genus that you know just got named into two different genera because of their similarities uh, I mean, because of their differences, but the differences are not that significant. Gotcha. Um, so uh, it means that, you know, they're, um, when they're two different genera, like two genus, generas, genus, genuses, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> they're already super duper close to each other. Um, but, uh, you know, it comes down to the level of like, are they practically the same or not? Um, so since, uh, the rules are whatever gets named, whatever it gets named first is what it gets named if it's turned out to be the same as something else. Um, so Brontosaurus became Apatosaurus. Hmm. Um, it was put into that cat- into that genus, Apatosaurus. Um, so it wasn't exactly that we couldn't say Brontosaurus anymore, but it was that the animal formerly known as Brontosaurus was actually just another kind of Apatosaurus. Yeah. Um, so then how come it seems like in the 80s and 90s, like Brontosaurus, like you had like 
the you know the heavy hitters when it came to like dinosaur toys or dinosaur cartoons or whatever. You know, you had like the Triceratops, the Stegosaurus, <laughs> the T Rex, uh, and the Brontosaurus. And then and then when Jurassic Park came along, then you had the Raptors coming in to be like the most popular thing. But uh, how did? Yeah, I don't remember ever talking about a Patasaurus as, as a kid, like playing dinosaurs mm-hmm. or whatever. It was Brontosaurus. Um, so what gives? <laughs> so the Brontosaurus um, was uh, was one of the first um, pretty complete dinosaur skeletons that got put up at the American Museum of Natural History. Mm. Um, and they didn't change the name. I don't know if they did later, but they didn't change it at the time. Um, the uh, the the sort of people that would be in charge of that thing at, at the American Museum of Natural History in New York at the time they didn't they didn't really agree um, mm. that Brontosaurus wasn't its own genus, mm-hmm. so they labeled it Brontosaurus. Mm. Um, Take that. And there were still some, you know, there were still some scientists who disagreed, um, and. Uh, Dinosaur stuff was so popular at the turn of the century that I imagine that just people who were kids, you know, in like 1899 and <laughs> loved loved Brontosaurus yeah. weren't going to know that in 1903 that genus became <laughs> obsolete. <laughs> so I, I think that the, it was already in the popular imagination. Yeah. Um, they did find out later... Um, and uh, of course, I, I lost where I had a window about this open. Um, but they did find out later that 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 skeleton at the AMNH had the wrong head on it. So that is a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, okay. In addition it. to all the other nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they had to they had to to fix the label and fix the head later on. Swap the heads out. Um, it's uh yeah, it, it it took a while for them to do that. I don't remember. I don't remember when it was. Ah, like in the seventies. I I think it was in the seventies okay. when they finally yeah. fixed that. They redid the skeleton with a correct head. Oh, and, here we go. I was just scrolling. I happened to find it. Yeah, on October twentieth, nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> after these couple of publications, the first skull of an apatosaurus was mounted on a skeleton in a museum. Um, uh, Carnegie. Yeah. Carnegie. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. And not okay, in 1995, the American Museum of Natural History followed suit and unveiled their remounted skeleton labeled Apatosaurus Excelsius. Oh, yeah, they didn't change it until the 90s. Until 95. And then maybe that's when we were hearing about it. Maybe. Like, because oh, no more Brontosaurus. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, because I don't think people um, have any idea that, that this. Uh, this name change was from 1903. Um, and then don't, I think uh, people like probably John Linnell doesn't, doesn't know that um, there was a very large um, study that, um, I mean, large as in they looked at a lot of different, mm-hmm. um, uh, looked at a lot of different skeletons. So these paleontologists, um, they looked over, 81 skeletons of um, of animals in the family that these guys are in, the family um, Diplodocids. Um, and they compared more than 400 features in the bones and they cross-referenced them all. 
and they decided that the Brontosaurus was distinct enough that it mm. was its own genus. Um, so in 2015, uh, science said, okay, it's a Brontosaurus again. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> Apatosaurus was like thicker, had a thicker neck, was just generally bigger and more robust, um, is what they're saying. And then uh, Brontosaurus, Brontosaurus a little skinnier. Um, and then what's interesting is there was only one species of Brontosaurus, but after they did the study and moved things around, um, they added two other animals as species to Brontosaurus. Hmm. Um, so two other Apatosauruses got moved into the Brontosaurus genus. Yeah, looking at <laughs> Apatosaurus Ajax uh, and the Apatosaurus Louise or something like that. I love, <laughs> I love these little diagrams where it has the sizes <laughs> of the dinosaurs and then it just has a little person waving. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> With these, the necks of these three long, yeah, brightly I, colored know, I, I, uh, silhouettes of, of dinosaurs was, and the little person is, Hi. You always have to show the scale when they show like a, you see like a, an illustration of like a blue whale or something. And then right. there's a teeny tiny little diver with a teeny tiny little fins. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like this person should be like, ah, <laughs> there's three giant dinosaurs above me. It's like, Hey, what's up? So a couple more little facts about Brontosaurus. Yes. I'm um, a lot. Uh, they were, um, sauropods. They were, um, uh, herbivorous. They were herbivores. Mm -hmm. Um, and they probably walked around with their neck like forward, not up like a giraffe. Um, I know that's how we always saw them, right? In, yeah, the and then and some stuff. scientists were like, "No, it can't be like that." But then other scientists were like, "No, it is." Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and because of those, because sauropods were so huge, they were like the, some of the biggest dinosaurs, if not the biggest dinosaurs. There had been this idea that they must have lived in water. So the sauropods yeah. were early on. Um, would have been illustrated in water because it was thought that they're, they couldn't have a skeleton that could support that mass on land. Um, but they have, uh, and that actually led to a period of time where some scientists were saying that they had live birth um, because they didn't lay eggs because they were water creatures. Um, so they would have had um, live babies um, okay. <laughs> but then it was like, no, that they, they weren't actually in the water and all dinosaurs laid eggs. So no. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so yes, the eggshell thing is, is correct. I mean, fish lay <laughs> eggs. I mean, why would they? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's just that the, the kind of eggs that reptiles lay, they wouldn't do very well underwater. Uh, they yeah, wouldn't last. Okay. Um, so, um, a now, lot is, of. Is the Sorry. Brachiosaurus bigger than the Brontosaurus and Apatosaurus? It is, right? I think it is. And then there's like the Supersaurus. Oh, that's a real thing? <laughs> yep. Amazing. <laughs> they're, um, yeah, they're coming was... off with all these uh, fancy <laughs> names. And they're just like, this one's just the Supersaurus. <laughs> yeah, they, they still would have... They still would have had eggs, um, but uh, a lot of animals actually give live birth because the egg stays inside and hatches, mm -hmm. and then we have um, a baby. So we, we have some snakes who do that. We have sharks who do that. 
Um, so it's not outside the realm of possibility, but yeah, okay. um, all dinosaurs laid eggs is the consensus. So that's yeah. Brontosaurus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, hopefully John Linnell's listening and now <laughs> he can take that, you know, they'll, <laughs> he'll do, you know, we had, why does the sun shine? Why is the sun really exactly. shine? And we'll have Brontosaurus <laughs> and we'll have, there really is Brontosaurus. <laughs> yeah. sequel. <laughs> I, I I really actually thought about I thought about why does the sun shine um, with this like um, that it's I thought about their kids music and how they um, I I don't remember exactly where or when I heard this so tell me if I'm making things up but they they actually did make sure that their facts were correct in their kids songs about facts um, so that they weren't uh, lying. <laughs> yes, there was a consultant for uh, Here Comes Science. Yeah, that and so so this is this is um, not literal in that sense where it has to be accurately about a brontosaurus. Right, and um, it's not just giving yeah. facts about it. You know, yeah. So it 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 doesn't really matter. You know, it's uh, yeah. artistic license. <laughs> <laughs> Though I mean, honestly, when the kids albums, I mean, I would have been. If I was a kid, when the name of Giant Sims comes out and there's a song as rocking as this about, you know, Brontosaurus, <laughs> I would have fucking loved it. <laughs> Maybe they take out the part about depression, though, you know. <laughs> that's that's how all their kids' songs are. They they wrote them, they took out the part about depression, and then they recorded them. Yep, four of two. They, they take out the part where the Brontosaurus gets depressed and, and uh, gives up on life. <laughs> Take out that part. Uh, the Brontosaurus. I am. I am happy for the Brontosaurus that it is <laughs> back, baby. Now we just need to do the same for Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they keep going back and forth on Pluto. I don't even. I gave Pluto. up. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> well, haven't. I mean, hasn't it been definitively said that it's not a planet, right? Um, there was some back and forth, but I didn't follow it closely enough, so I'm not gonna. I mean, um, what the fuck is it? Just a really big rock that happened to <laughs> join, you know, in the at the end of the line, circling around the sun. It kind of yeah. it kind of brought up a whole discussion of what makes something a planet, right? And, um, in yeah, in science, like there's never like this word is defined. We all know what it means forever. Like mm. now, it's it's okay. Well, now we now we have to take a look at what the word planet means. Mm. So. <laughs> But what is a planet? I thought we knew this already. I guess not. <laughs> and uh, so then the, the, that was all very interesting. And yeah, who cares? This uh, song about facts about the brontosauruses. But with Linnell bringing that up, you know, the, the songwriter yeah. himself bringing it up as like, um, you know, the metaphor Mm-hmm. you know dinosaur bands you know i mean it does get thrown around at bands quite a few times like oh yes. dinosaurs they don't know what's hip and for a band with old dudes i mean they're old guys at this point it's cool uh they still rock but they're older gentlemen mm-hmm. and you know basically referring to themselves and also it's kind of like a double a double whammy they're dinosaurs but they're also a dinosaur that doesn't exist anymore but <laughs> it does so I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of cool that it came back. Um, yeah. So uh, maybe maybe he eventually cut it as an artist again and, and felt better about himself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he became less depressed when he, he was... 
I feel seen. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, my existence has been justified. I, uh, I'm back in business, baby. And uh, yeah, uh, and then and then we've got the. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about Monty Python. Are you mm-hmm. are you a, a Monty Python fan? Um, I'm not a huge fan in that I laugh out loud, but I have a great amount of respect for them as, as pioneers, um, in the, uh, in the, you know, in what they did and, and all that they inspired. Obviously I love sketch comedy in general, so, um, I would never put them down. So were, were you not a kid that watched, uh, you know, search for the Holy Grail endlessly? And, oh, and I, quoting... I, I liked the movies. But mm-hmm. I didn't see any of the sketches really until I was older. Yeah, I mean Aside that was a little harder to see. Dead parrot. <laughs> I mean, that was a little. I mean, again, we're already, you know we're dating ourselves with talking about phones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you could if. Uh, I mean, I didn't even have cable growing up, but like, let alone the BBC showing. Yeah. Which would have been even you know it was not on the air anymore even you know when I was a kid. Um, and you know, you would have had to have, like bought the VHS or something, or yeah, uh, you or know, you. it was a lot harder to to come across them. You know, you can just look it up on YouTube. But it was the um, kind of thing where one night you can't sleep; it's two in the morning. You decide to look at what's on TV, and there's a marathon on PBS. Yeah, PBS and then you never see it again. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, what? <laughs> I oddly, I remember sticking with me the most at first was, uh, if I'm remembering it correctly, it's been a while since I've seen it. There's a guy who looks like he's out, he's out in the ocean. He's kind of climbing, you know, struggling through the waves, getting onto the beach, and his clothes are tattered. It's like he's been, you know, shipwrecked and he's been washed ashore. And he's like struggles up to the camera and just says, It's. And that's it. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. It's... <laughs> and um, also, it's wafer thin. I couldn't eat another bite, but it's wafer thin. So the, what we're talking about here, the reason we're talking about Monty Python is the lyric, I was skinny at first, <laughs> then I got thick, what and then you? went back to being skinny. Uh, I mean, maybe it was. <laughs> it is a reference to this yeah. <laughs> 72 uh, Honey Python's Flying Circus sketch. The sketch is called An Elk's Mrs. Theory on Brontosauruses. So I need to drop in a clip of it well, um, right just, here. Can uh, say here, Chris, for one moment that I have a new theory about the Brontosaurus? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What is it? I mean, your your new theory. Oh, what is my theory? Oh, what is my theory that it is? Well, Chris, you may well ask me what is my theory. Uh, I am asking. Good for you. My word, yes. Well, Chris, what is it that it is, this theory of mine? Well, this is what it is. My theory that I have, that is to say, which is mine, is mine. Yes, now, I, I know it's yours. Uh, what is it? Where? 
theory that belongs to me is as follows. <coughs> this is how it goes. <coughs> the next thing I'm going to say is my theory. Ready? My theory by A.L. Brackets, Miss Brackets. This theory goes as follows and begins now. All brontosauruses are thin at one end, much, much thicker in the middle, and then thin again at the far end. That is my theory that is mine and belongs to me, and I own it and what it is too. That's it, is it? Spot on, Chris. <laughs> well, and this theory of yours appears to have hit the nail on the head. And it's mine. Yes. <laughs> now, had you seen that before? I had not, actually. I hadn't seen that specific one yeah, before either. I, I knew that I was aware of this being a reference to a Monty Python sketch, um, but I didn't actually, had. I hadn't actually seen it before. Yeah, I'd heard that too, and I, I don't think I went out and, and sought it out immediately. It's funny though, because that the, the I mean, this whole sketch builds up, builds up and builds up. You know, John Cleese is is Ann Elk, and she just like is stretching this whole thing out. Takes her forever to actually say her theory on the brontosauruses. It's I mine. Mean, it's like minutes. Yeah, this, <laughs> in this theory, which is mine. It is mine. <laughs> it is. Mine. <laughs> and then she finally says it, and then <laughs> he's like. That's it. <laughs> and all the coughing. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Uh, it, it's a um, it's a fantastic theory, though. I mean, it is accurate. You know, they start yeah. out skinny and they get thicker in the middle, and then skinny again. Uh, I I I found that they um they did this uh, bit again. In like 2012 or something, they like did a live stage show of it, and I was hoping that there would be another theory on brontosaurus, but they pretty much just did the sketch <laughs> as is. I was like, "Come on, give me else, something else funny about brontosaurus," but it was it was pretty much just you know playing off of the same thing. Uh, the song itself. Um, we've already been talking about the lyrics, uh, now talking about it as, is uh, you know, more metaphorical or whatnot. We're not talking facts about the Brontosaurus. Uh, what's your, what's your take on the, on the lyrics? You got an interpretation? I think that it is remarkably, um, transparent for a They Might Be Giant song, especially for a Linnell song. Like, it's... The whole thing is a metaphor, but it's not full of, like, cryptic metaphors. It's pretty mm -hmm. much telling you what it's about. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's very cool. And then and then um, for him just to be willing to just say, yeah, that, that is what it's about, and, like, confirm it. Um, it mm -hmm. It's very cool. Um, um, I did... Uh, last time they did that, um, they might be playing, they might be giants, uh, marathon, um, on the, the radio station whose name I forgot. Sorry. Uh, um, Mankato, Minnesota. I'm forgetting <laughs> the, the call time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they took questions. Um, the first question that Linnell answered, um, was mine. 
And uh, mm. I, it, I, I meant, I had put it to both of them, but I think only, I think it only went to Linnell and Flansburg was on later and didn't get it. But I just said, like, do you feel like your songs have become um, more, uh, more personal or autobiographical in the past few years? And he said, um, well, my answer, no. <laughs> um, he says, like, one word answer, no. And then they went to the next question. And I was not surprised by that. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't surprised by that. Um, but uh, there's just like a little bit of, there's a little bit more of them, I feel like. Yeah. That, hey, bad cat. Sorry. Um, <laughs> in the, uh, in that yeah. album. Um, but, um, but I don't think that this is about him because, right. um, this is a character who is, uh, trying to get back into, um, art or, you know, art with an audience again, um, and, uh, is not doing a very good job, or at least doesn't feel like he's doing a very good job of it. He, yeah. he feels that he can't cut it as an artist. He might be too sensitive, mm -hmm. thin skin. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a, it's very like, you know, realistic. Like you want mm -hmm. to leave an impression, you want to express an emotion, you crave some attention and for this grand transgression, you'll be prepaid when you fall and you fail and sink into depression. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he went and stuck his neck out. Um, he's a, a sort of a dinosaur at this point, like an older artist. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, not really uh, super successful, or at least he doesn't feel super successful in yeah. trying to um, make a make a good impression in this day and age. From a uh, pure, just like wordsmith, uh, the craft of this song is just beautiful to me. I love the you know the rhymes that ignore us, brontosaurus, ignore us, uh, porous. Yes. Porous, ignorus, and uh, where's the other one? There's one. Oh, chorus. Yes, that's my favorite yeah. part of the song. So this is the song is three minutes and four seconds long, mm -hmm. and uh, there are no repeated verses. So this is like an insanely long "Baby Giant" song. Um, yeah, and we get to true. a point toward the end where he says, "Do you think this tale has gone on for too long?" Which join I love. the chorus. You can join the chorus. It's <laughs> like, yeah, is this is this a pretty long song for us? Are you getting has, bored? Has yeah. This tale with the tail joke. Yeah, with gone the pun. On for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. Yeah, I mean the chorus just the I mean, I guess if you want to call it a chorus, just a little tag on the end of each verse, the Brontosaurus, Brontosaurus. Yeah, yeah it's 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 Dylan-esque in a way. There's so many songs of theirs that are great, but they have two verses, a bridge, and then a repeat of the first or the second verse. Mm -hmm. And there's really just two verses in the whole song and a bridge and choruses, which is great. But this, I, I feel like this really stands out um, to yeah. me. Like it has, um, no, it doesn't have any repeats except for the brontosaurus. He had a lot to say about being a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember um, shortly after this album had come out, I had seen um, P. 
people talking about it. I remember seeing specifically on Twitter people uh, relating to this song uh, as trans people. And I was looking on the interpretations tab here, and there's a whole bunch of people chiming in. I think five people here, and they're like, "Yes, this is. I I can see this too. This you know speaks like this for me." And so uh, we were talking via email beforehand, and like I want to acknowledge this interpretation, but uh, neither of us are trans, so like speaking on that is uh, is you know wouldn't make as much sense. So I did a call out to our trans listeners, and we've had. You know, so many awesome people on this show. I mean, enough so that I've done I've done three Patreon episodes uh, called Miscellaneous Trans and uh, Avery Keating, uh, who you you will hear from in a second, um, has guest hosted those with roundtables of trans folks talking about TMB, TMBG songs that uh, you know spoke to them you know through that uh, that lens. And um, the last one we did. I think I mean it's been it's been like two years. I'm I'm I can't I don't think Brontosaurus even came up. Like book was I believe incredibly new when it came out. I don't think it that that song came up. A lot of good songs came up. Um uh, but as far as Brontosaurus goes, uh we wanted to get some thoughts on that from uh the community and we got some uh voicemails from folks. So I think okay. First one I got was from Xander and I'll just go ahead and play his play his voicemail here. This is Xander calling in. Hi there. I saw the post on Twitter, and I just wanted to say as a trans mask teenager, I can see where people thinking Brontosaurus is a trans anthem is coming from. Um, sorry, I'm a little out of breath. I'm a little excited. Um, I can see where they're coming from, especially with the, the eggshell portion of the song. And um, just some of the symbolism in the song, but I don't completely agree. Um, I would say that a better They Might Be Giant song that represents trans youth and just trans people in general would be Dr. Worm. There's a great video on YouTube about it, but I can't remember the title of or who made it right now, but I would suggest you check that out. Bye. So Xander's saying they don't completely, uh, he doesn't completely agree and brings up Dr. Worm and this video on uh, YouTube, which is going to be brought up by our next voicemail as well, uh, talking about Dr. Worm being more of a uh, trans anthem song. Did, were you aware of this this video that came out? It, it uh, spread around the, uh, you know, Miss Lane's team, Facebook groups a little bit when it first came out. Do you remember this whole YouTube video that a person anyway, made about? I, I don't I don't think I, I came across that. Um doesn't ring a bell. Watch it. No, I remember watching it when it first came out. Um and we've got let's see, I think it actually gets proper credit in this next voicemail. Um so I'll, I'll go ahead and play that. Um excuse me. So this next one is from Mel, and Mel saw the post on Instagram, and before I uh, even listened to the the voicemail, I saw their their comments on <laughs> on Instagram saying, "I'm sorry, it went too long. <laughs> it's, it's multiple messages." I'm like, "Okay," so then I went and checked them out. So yeah, it's a three minute limit, but I think I'm going to play this whole thing. It's three minutes and then a second message. So this is Mel from uh, Los Angeles. 
Hey, this might be a pod. Uh, this is Mel calling from Los Angeles, California, on the subject of Brontosaurus. Is it a trans anthem? And I'm going to try to keep my thoughts succinct, but that hardly ever works. So it's complicated. Yes, I agree that there is a, a very beautiful interpretation of this song as a trans story. I can definitely believe that. And I can feel that internally as a trans person. I draw the line at calling it an anthem simply because of the definition and connotation of an anthem. Anthems are traditionally meant to be uplifting, to represent a community, uh, not necessarily in a positive light, but in a, in a motivating light. And the feelings that I get from Brontosaurus are unfortunately the opposite. You know, hold on. Let me, let me pull up these lyrics so we're doing everything the right way. It had been going so well, and then I broke my eggshell and entered the world as a Brontosaurus. And then the Brontosaurus continues to talk about, you know, life was devoid of purpose, and so I joined the circus. Okay, so on the one hand, the previous life of this brontosaurus was devoid of purpose and purpose was added to the brontosaurus's life by joining the circus by joining the queer community and on the other hand their life had been going well and then coming out of their eggshell and entering the world as a brontosaurus made things more complicated for them for this transgression, you'll be repaid when you fall and you fail and you sink into depression. I went and stuck my neck out, wearing an expression of optimism, optimism and bad vision. To me, I think if you're talking about trans interpretations of They Might Be Giants, which, boy, howdy, I love to. I think you have to look at the two sides of the coin, which, in my opinion, are Brontosaurus versus Dr. Worm, where in Dr. Worm, and this is this is all thanks to T.X. Watson on, on YouTube. Love you. Um, on the one hand, you have this expression of optimism and joy in identifying yourself in a particular way. I'm not a real doctor, but they call me Dr. Worm. I want you to refer to me as Dr. Worm. And I like to play the drums. I like expressing myself in this body and in this uh, set of language that I use to describe myself. This is Melligan from Los Angeles, California. And God damn it, I knew I could not be succinct. So on the one hand, Dr. Worm, full of optimism and hope and joy. On the other hand, Brontosaurus, that expresses more of a multifaceted, realistic version of the trans experience, which is, yes, there is joy in coming out of your eggshell and finding the community that works for you and gives you purpose and gives you joy. But also, there are tragedies that come with that. There are circumstances where you have to stick your neck out with blind optimism and it doesn't work well for you. You get crushed, you fall into a depression, you fail, you feel like your your skin is thin just because you're trying to walk around in the world as yourself the way that everyone else does. So, conclusion, 
trans? Absolutely. And some, maybe not so much. All right. Thanks. Bye. TX Watson is the video. Uh, and this came out. Yeah, this was three years ago. Hmm. We must have just missed it. It has almost 13,000 views. It, uh, it it got some traction uh, for sure. Um, and I haven't watched it, I don't think, since it came out. Uh, the, 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 this person definitely made a good a good pitch for it. And I, I think it's cool, you know, in all these episodes I've done, um, you know, so many different kinds of people, like they might be giants, and, and, and all these different interpretations is what makes their songs really interesting. Because they're, for the most part, not so straight ahead, you know, and people can, you know, give it their own spin. Uh, so, um, let's see. So, it seems like Mel was a little more um, into the idea of it being a trans song, maybe not calling it an anthem. And, I mean, that was my word. I think maybe I should have worded it differently. Yeah, just talking about, like, the hardships and stuff that come with, you know coming out and being your true self and all those kind of things, I think it was very uh, poignant to uh, work in the, with the lyrics of this song. Okay, let's see. The next one, I'm going to play um, uh, Susie. Uh, Susie was on, well, by the time this, yeah, this episode hasn't come out. By the time this episode cl- comes out, the Climbing the Walls episode will have come out. It hasn't yet. Susie Van Schenk uh, was on the Climbing the Walls episode, and um, she called in um, after talking to her son, who is trans, and here is the message from Susie. Hi, Greg. This is Susie. And I was on your, uh, I recorded your Climbing the Walls episode, and I am not trans myself, but I reached out to my, uh, one of my sons who is trans about your Brontosaurus question, and uh, his take is that uh, he saw it as kind of more of a Kafka-esque absurd anthem to begin with, but feels that many trans people can relate to the absurd, so kind of thinks it is a valid read to look at it as a a possible trans anthem. So anyway, I hope that helps, and you have a great day. So yeah, her her sons can can see that being an interpretation, Um, but yeah, thinks likes to think of it more as just a. they said Kafka esque. <laughs> I, I like that Kafka esque. Yes, it's like right, like literally like, uh... becoming, literally becoming something, you know, a different creature. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, metamorphosis. Had been, it had a... been going so well, and then I woke up in my bed, and I was in an eggshell. Yeah, I broke out of it because I had to go um, make art. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Metamorphosis. I remember, you know, of all the books I read in high school, that one really left an impression on me. It was so <laughs> fucked up. Okay, and then Averin, who I mentioned, um, good friend of the show, uh, has possibly appeared more times than anyone else as a guest and my collaborator in uh, the Purple Pansies uh, for music stuff. Uh, Averin has left a message as well. So let's listen to that. Hey, uh, this is Avery Keating. I have been invited to offer a uh, view on the song Brontosaurus. Um, 
like specifically the the theory of it kind of discussing transgender themes um it's it's i personally don't take it as a trans reference especially the eggshell i mean I saw them in concert recently, and John Linnell was talking about how his son was excited by the they crowns because it was, like, non-binary people were using it to, like, celebrate themselves, ourselves. And I just, I don't think that John Linnell, that didn't occur to him. So I, I certainly don't think the the egg and eggshell lingo would be known to him. I just don't think that he hangs out with that many trans women in that in that case um it mainly seems to me like a a song about being a an old artist like it it feels a lot like the mesopotamians in that way where he's going to a you know an ancient source and describing feeling out of the in this current world um but on the other hand, like I've said in a lot of the mis- mis- trans episodes on Patreon, go subscribe to that, by the way. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't find empowerment from that song as a, a trans person and seeing in it a reflection of yourself. Like, the song doesn't, there's no secret meaning, quote-unquote, supposedly, but it it does seem like... It seems, uh, sorry, I'm all scrambled. It seems okay and fun and empowering to kind of take these songs that might not be written for us and um, kind of like making it into something that we we can see ourselves in. Uh, I think that that's a really cool thing. So, uh, yeah, that's my take. Uh, also, thanks to Lou for being so nice about the Hovering Sombrero cover. Uh, it, I Listening to it in that episode made me cringe because of how the vocals were. So, <laughs> thanks for being nice. Uh, keep keep on keeping on. Bye. Yeah, Avery was the first person I reached out to because I couldn't remember if I had gotten their thoughts on it before, you know, when I first heard, first gotten it. Been you know tagged in a tweet about it about the song like way back. I tried to find who that person was. I could not find it. You know, scrolling back through Twitter is not a very efficient way to find out anything um, or X or whatever. It's Twitter. I don't. Care. <laughs> It'll I don't never be fuck. X. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no one will literally ever call it X. <laughs> and uh, Avery, as an artist. Uh, sees it a lot more through the interpretation that you were saying, uh, and which I think seems to be more probably more likely what Linnell was, was going for. Like you said, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, and I, I, I do think it's really cool that people, um, you know, can kind of, uh, use it to, to feel, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm. Kind of, um, see themselves in it kind of yeah yeah see yourself um, in a song and it's you know it's always nice to you know whatever you're going through at the time um you know just whatever kind of emotions you may be going to whatever kind of person you are and things that are happening in your life it's always nice to find a song and feel kind of like mm-hmm. you know like this is 
my, this I'm really feeling this right now. This is this is what I'm going through. This is something you know. And then you play it endlessly, uh, and uh, you know it becomes like your jam. <laughs> and that's awesome. Brontosaurus is a great song uh, to have as uh, you know your jam. So uh, all about that. I'm I'm weird in that I'm a very big fan of the now defunct Harvey Danger and um, Sean Nelson, who did some solo stuff after that. Um, and uh, one of the last um, Harvey Danger like singles before they broke up for good um, is Little Round Mirrors, and mm. that's the you know the the metaphor that the CD is a little round mirror that um, mm. you see. Uh, I mean, the song is basically about how you kind of you you see yourself looking back at it and you feel like it like it was made for you and written for you. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Like that. Yeah, I, I I remember Harvey Danger. I remember. Uh, it's, as far as uh, musical uh, elements of this song, there's nothing crazy about it. It's like you know uh, a Linnell, you know pop rock banger. Yeah. You know it, it's it very fucking rocks. Punchy. I don't know if punchy yeah. is the right word, but it. it oh, it, definitely. It's perfect for the horns. Like the 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 horns are like all over. Um, they have such a, per, a good part in it. Yeah, um, and and I I kind of didn't realize that it was just saxes, and in the in the credits it's just listed as tenor saxophone, and I I think you know the book book does have credits in it, so I'm assuming that's what it was listed as, but it's it's saxes, uh, at least a couple layers of sax all by Linnell, and there's horns like a bunch on this album with you know the uh, Triceratops horns. Uh, mm-hmm. Kurt Rams, Stan Harrison, and Dan Levine. So it's interesting that this one, Linnell just. I wonder. I'm wondering if the the horn part was more of a a later thought. Uh, you know, going into the arrangement, and you hmm. know those those fellows weren't around. You know, they'd come like, oh, we need horns on these three songs or whatever else they're on, uh, and then they do it. And then this one, maybe I was like, yeah, it's some sax might be cool. I'll just <laughs> honk it out because um, we're gonna. We're about to hear some live versions that have the full, you know, trumpet, sax, trombone. And I think that really fills it out. But even on this recorded track, like the saxes really add a lot. It's a very cool uh, element. And I've always loved the thick Linnell sax stuff throughout Team BG's canon. Um, Marty's drum part is awesome as usual. I mean, you know, Weinkoff's bass, always great. You know the guitars are are cool in this song because they're a little heavier than 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 some other ones you find on this album. Um, yeah, it is one of the the more like filled out um, songs on the on this record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this one did not get your your uh, complaint <laughs> of. Um, I think I did. I did kind of like this right away. Um, this song and uh, um, I I liked some of the other ones kind of okay. The ones that had already been come out as singles, so I got used to them. Um, so, um, so yeah. And then, then, um, I really, really came to like synopsis for latecomers, mm-hmm. like, especially oh, because yeah. it is the first track and it just makes me want to listen to the album in order, which is something I don't usually do. So I would play it over and over again in order, which is again, something I don't usually do because it starts with that. And that's just so weird and doodly doodly do and weird and i love it (laughs) it's a great start to the album i mean they're pretty good at picking opening tracks um and 
it's just so in your face. Like it's just kind of a different feel than a lot of the Muppet Giant songs. And yeah, I've already done this episode, but like the it's just drums and voice. And Linnell like double tracks his voice, which he almost never does. So like it's got this real thick vocal and the like this awesome Marty drum part. It's a great way to start the album. Um, and then we get to this one, and this one is like in the lineage of experimental film and all these just like bangers that he's yeah. just you know pop it rock is, masterpieces. Is, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, this is um, I'm always fascinated when any band, for any band that have have this, these songs where um, the uh, the vocal and the music start at the same second. There's no introduction. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Everybody has to be so tight to start it. Just start, and then this just goes right into it. Yeah. Like it doesn't build up; it just goes right into it from the first <laughs> syllable. Yeah, it's 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 ready to go. No fucking around. Just get right into it. Um, and it it is a pretty straightforward song, uh, chord wise too. There's nothing a whole lot to break down with the chords. Um, I mean, it's not as simple of a chord progression as um, I can't remember the dream, but it's still, you know, it's a song like for Linnell. When a Linnell song is very clearly in one key, (laughs) you're like, come on, dude, phoning it in. No, you know, like (laughs) I'm expecting to like be confused by key changes and everything. Uh, But yeah, very clearly in F, F, C, B flat, F, and throw some D minors in there uh, for good measure. Uh, But that is it. Oh, wait, we do have the I want to leave an impression part. We do um, get some uh, G minors in there. But yeah, we're, we're sticking we're sticking in the key. This is all mm. music theory over my head. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just, you know, for, for Linnell, it's it's a song that's nice to guitarists, which a lot of Linnell songs are not nice <laughs> to the guitarist, which is funny since he's been paired with a guitarist for his whole career. But he'll write stuff like Dr. Warren, for example, is in the key of F sharp major, which is lovely playing on the piano. You're like sticking to mostly black keys. It's just right there. Um, but for guitars, it's like it's you're playing bar chord. There's no open chords in that whole song. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's. Um, I, I was mentioning the horns. Let's uh, hear some live versions that we get some some trumpet and some trombone along with the saxophone. We've got the live debut, which, like I said, was over a year after the album came out. It was December fifteenth. 2022 at the 930 Club in D.C. And people can find uh, this with a really good-looking video from former guest on the show, Tim Shapa, who was on uh, the Lord Snowden episode. So let's listen to the audio from uh, uh, Tim's video on his YouTube. I think we should reserve the right to do this song twice. Just a little revisionist. What, are you familiar with the expression retcon? <laughs> I mean, it's not like the prettiest expression in the world, but it, it's like to, it's re- retroactive uh, continuity. continuity. <laughs> I think we should get into that. Okay. That'll be our thing. Yeah. We invented that. I saw these guys, they did a bunch of songs twice. They're really weird. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Hey, I don't know what you're doing. So, when I'm 
that Danny is wearing a shirt that says 9:30 <laughs> at the 9:30 club. Dan Dan seems to Danny seems to um Danny seems to pick his shirts like very deliberately. <laughs> yeah, he's got, you know, he's got his The whole his, outfit is very deliberate. <laughs> oh yeah, he thinks about it. I mean, that's it's got to be merch from the venue, I would imagine. <laughs> it looks just like a digital clock that says 9:30. <laughs> Uh, so what do you think about this uh, this this premiere here? How they do? It's it it was very um. I mean it was it was it was very like uh, I don't want to say typical in a boring way, but it was it was them. They were on it. Um, uh, watching like later live performances, it looks a little like when I was like a little more natural with the the mm-hmm. freezing, but um. But you could tell, like they they were happy to be playing it. Um, probably kind of relieved yeah. to, to finally be playing it. I was, I was one of the people, or maybe the only person, I don't know, who kept um, who kept commenting on uh, like the Facebook posts about upcoming shows. Going, um, are you going to play book at this one? Are you going to play book at this right. one? <laughs> so I was like, I was like, I've seen you guys play flood like <laughs> so many times. So can many play, times. Can you play book? Can you play book? <laughs> Maybe book's 30th anniversary. <laughs> my husband In 2051. Said, then they'll my, play it. <laughs> my husband said that, you know, he'll always go with he'll always go with me to more of the might be giant shows, but not another flood show. He won't go with me. <laughs> you know, I and my first show with them was a flood show in 2000. That was the <laughs> That was the 10th anniversary flood show. <laughs> I know it's you know it, it's it was a money maker for them. You really can't yeah. blame them. Like they're getting oh, no, a I lot don't, of people. I don't that, blame them. Yeah, the non-front um, row it, weirdos. I think it. I think it feels a lot more dragged out because of the 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 you know reschedulings. Yeah. Um, I, oh I, yeah. Well, I love yeah, my, three years dragged out. I love my shirt with the um, my flood shirt with the tour dates on the bottom on the back. I mean, where it, it says flood tour. 19 is crossed out and 20 is crossed out and it says 21. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, And you had mentioned how there's uh, so many words in this song. So it's not too much of a surprise when uh, Linnell botches it a little bit. The circus line gets kind of mumbled over. uh, And I love watching the debuts and seeing them you know, be human. <laughs> uh, and, and then we have a live performance on TV. I mean, I, you know, I mentioned here in the email, I'm like, it's kind of a rare thing to see team G on late night shows. Now that we don't have Conan to just like, I, I feel like they just had Conan on speed dial and, you know, they're, <laughs> they're friends and they're just like, Hey, we got another one. I'm coming out. And he's like, all right, come on. Conan uh, really, Conan really brought my, favorite people to me on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime kids in the hall were doing anything, they'd be on his show or one or all of them, or they would do some skilly, some silly sketch with him. Um, he's in a bunch of, uh, they did, um, Dave Foley was, was just filming things during one of their tours and they just like put out like a little tour doc. Um, I mean, just really just like watching behind the scenes and stuff mm-hmm. and like they're hanging out with Conan and then yeah, Conan would bring out uh, Conan would bring out Norm Macdonald all the time to say horrible things, and then they might be giants and like um, yeah, Conan. Yeah. Conan His podcast was is awesome. good, but Conan is yeah, awesome. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I miss the show. For yeah, sure. 
I, uh, yeah, I started yeah, watching it very early on when it was same. like, this is so silly. <laughs> it was like so much sillier than, than its predecessors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved it. And, and the self-deprecating humor I always loved <laughs> as well. Dream guest. Who knows? Maybe someday. You know, I've had a I member of his Andy band Richter. on. You got Andy, get Andy Richter. Like I try, you know, he's like my favorite, one of my favorite people in the world. But yeah, he's, yeah, it's a good, it's a big get, big get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I tried. Uh, he seems to actually, you know, comment uh, or, or respond to some people on Instagram comments and stuff like that. So I tried sending him a message. You know, nothing back. I I talked to 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 Pender. You know, I asked him. I'm like, I don't want to like put you in any sort of weird situation, but you know, is there any way like you you know would you know an avenue for me to talk to? You know, I I was thinking like you know Andy would be, you know, a great get, and then then maybe you know Conan. Uh, and he's like, well, at that point when I talked to him, um. Because now they've 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 been doing some like reunions. I think the yeah actually yesterday was the thirtieth. So I guess September thirteenth was the thirtieth anniversary of like the premiere of oh wow. O'Brien's show. I'm really out of the loop with that stuff. Well, I'm I mean I'm friends with Pender on Facebook now. He posted something That's about awesome. it just on his personal Facebook, a photo mm-hmm. from their first one, and it's like you know it's from 1993, but it's a photo kind of up from a somewhere uh, boom or something. And I, I commented on it. Do I see someone playing trumpet over there that has some hair? <laughs> He's just laughing. <laughs> he still had, I mean, he was definitely, you know, losing the hair on top, but was still clinging to it on the sides there. And, you know, uh, we've, known Pony, I mean, we've known Pender as just like the <laughs> clean shaven head for so long. So who knows? Oh, um, yeah. Conan's I would look. podcast right now. Sorry to interrupt. Conan's no, podcast great. right now, really, um, a lot of it is he has people call in um, and just like, you know, just talk to him, just chat. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you Should could always you could always yeah. call in and just yeah. like I wouldn't call him and go like, hey, Conan. So how can I talk to Andy? But <laughs> but like, you <laughs> know, Conan, could, we'll just we'll just start talking. About yeah, you just talk to Conan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to talk further, I have my own podcast. He's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you call me next time. <laughs> yeah, don't don't call me. I'll call you. <laughs> so, uh, well, the the whole reason I was saying that is that they got to play on Kimmel. Uh, they got to play this song. Ooh, let's see. April 25th, 2023. So not all that long ago let's uh hear the audio from this it actually sounds pretty good for a late night show audio their album is called book here at the song brontosaurus they might be giants Yeah. 
so they had tightened it up pretty significantly here. And I love the horn feature. You know, if you haven't seen the video, definitely go see it on the Jimmy Kimmel YouTube. Uh, I love that the horns, you know, come on forward and do their feature. And they all just look so happy. Like, yeah, you know, and I've had all three of those guys on the show. And, and Dan Levine especially is like, you, you can tell like on the video there, like he's just like brimming with excitement. You know, he's got he always smile looks like, like, like this happy little kid who just can't believe he's there. Like, right. <laughs> he looks like so excited and thrilled to be on the stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such a great player, too. Right. They sound so good in this video. I mean, this whole thing, and, you know, Flans, you know, Flans always has his rock moves and all that, of course, but, I th- like, the late-night performance uh, type of uh, event is something where you only got to rock out for three minutes. Like, you can just leave it all out there. You don't have to <laughs> save, you know, save your energy, you know, save your stamina, and he's just doing all these big upstrokes. I keep wondering where he's looking. Because he he's he's looking off in in different directions, um, yeah. in parts of it, like not at the camera, but like like the like when he is how he is on stage most of the time anyway, where he, you know he's just like checking out that thing, like okay, that thing is fine. <laughs> oh, do I have to go over there and fix that? Okay, no, that's right. fine. Like just like oh, yeah. checking on it's business, yeah, <laughs> keeping keeping making sure everything is uh, is is well oiled. He does seem like he's kind of looking like up into his right. I also love that the whenever they do um, TV, they put uh, suit jackets on or, you know, know, blazers. Yeah. So they wear like the same normal shirts, but they'll put blazers over them because it's fancy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's fun. I don't know why they don't wear their normal Garb. I mean, I mean, Flan seems to be more of a jacket wearer these days. Anyway, yeah. like last time he'll leave me wearing like a windbreaker over something. Um, but Linnell's always just in like his striped t-shirts. I don't know. They, it, I don't know. It seems like a very old guy thing to be like. Well, this is a dress-up occasion. <laughs> I, I, I can't put say on if your Sunday done, best. I can't say if they've done it for every appearance, but I feel like a lot of them. I've they've they've had jackets when they've um, yeah. done uh, late night TV as if it's like a formal event. <laughs> well it was a I mean it was a thing like even in their promo photos and stuff in the early odds uh, would they have been for Mink Car? I mean yeah I think for Mink Car and the Spine you know how there are those promo photos that actually had the full band in it you know you had Marty and mm-hmm. and Dan and Danny in it and they were like suits were the thing then and it seems like it, it just kind of stuck around after that I guess they you know they grew up watching like Johnny Carson and yeah. and even as adults are like watching Carson like when you when you went on Carson, you wore a jacket. Like no, I don't know. The <laughs> time when they deal. were on Carson, even yeah. though Lena was guest hosting it, I don't think they were wearing jackets. Oh, that, well, mean, that they would... Were, that they would, were young dudes they were wearing, you know. That would definitely uh, upend my theory. <laughs> <laughs> All good. <laughs> um, now, I think even though the performance isn't incredibly different, I think we have to play their performance of it from the Hollywood Bowl show where they were opening for Sparks. That was a big... A big uh, to-do. So this was, um, yeah, not too much longer after that Kimmel performance. This is July 16th, 2023. Let's check out a little bit of this one. How's everybody way up there? Can you believe how easy it was to get in here? (laughs) Those those climbing skills came in handy. 
you can't even hear the words I'm saying. My God, they're so far away. Well, uh, people, uh, back, back to the music. This song is called Brontosaurus. <laughs> and pointing at how how far away people are, which is hilarious for guys that have played so many shows. I mean, they've played festival type shows and stuff like that, but for some, with guys that have been in a band for forty years, and even they're like, "Whoa, there's so many people here." <laughs> it was a big That's deal. So cute when they they have their cameras and take pictures of everybody and like yeah. the whole audience and like. You take their like band selfie with the audience behind them still, and it's just like wow. Cute. I guess yes. that never gets old for them. It's like so cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Playing live is uh, is a special thing. Uh, it, it's covers time, I think. Let's All do right. this. Yeah. So, my good buddy Daryl Till, Astral B, as he used to be more known. Now he's you know Daryl Till. He's he's Daryl Till. He's famous. In his own right, <laughs> on uh, he he did a cover of it for a this might be a podcast uh, compilation called this might book a podcast. This might book a podcast um, has my big crew of covers uh, friends doing uh, every song on book, most of them more than once over, uh, <laughs> and. All the Very songs cool. on the pamphlet EP. If you have not listened Ooh, to this, in full, you really should. There's yeah. some. I, there, there's some of my contributions on here. I'm pretty proud of is ones that kind of stick out in my mind as ones I've covered. Like I did a uh, a techno version of "I Broke My Own Rule," <laughs> and it features a little cameo by Zinnia at the beginning. And then I did a cover of "Drown the Clown" in the style of. Alkaline Trio saves the day ish kind of <laughs> <laughs> pop ish, pop emo ish, pop punk. Uh, even I upped the key even so I really had to scream sing it. <clears throat> but we are here to listen to uh, Daryl do Brontosaurus. Um, somehow, again, we're talking about how this is like the banger off of this. This is this one only got one cover on this comp. Most of the songs were covered twice or thrice. Brontosaurus only got one, but Daryl Till knocked it out of the park enough. It only needed the one. Let's check it out. It had been going so well. And then I broke my eggshell. And entered the world as a brontosaurus. 
awesome like it's uh it, it's um like not a big change to anything like not a, an alternative kind of version of it but um mm-hmm. you know but it, it's it's uh it's really um good i mean i don't know what to say i've never i haven't i haven't listened to um well way back when i think i listened to stuff from one of the one of the cover albums that uh the tmb S group put together, but um, but I, I haven't really been familiar with uh, with people's stuff, so I was impressed. I was impressed. Yeah, Daryl is, is very talented, and I love uh, how the accordion sounds on this one. They're not being any accordion on the original. Um, I thought and, so, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I think that's an accordion, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, Daryl's yep, very good uh, keyboardist and accordionist. Yeah, it's very polished. I mean, it's it's he put a lot of work into it. And I love Daryl's voice, and it sounds great. It's uh, it's banging just as much as the original. And yeah, you can find that on the, this might be a podcast up and camp uh, dot com. This might book a cover. Um, and then uh, Eric Roberts, who's a member of the covers crew as well, uh, he's been on like I feel like every cover section. <laughs> he's on like ninety percent of the cover sections now because he does so many. <laughs> he does like daily covers. I think he's popping out like four or five covers a day. Like there's like a thousand covers on his YouTube channel. Uh, and here he does Bronsaurus on acoustic guitar. Let's check that out. It had been going so well And then I broke my eggshell this one it's a it's a very different attitude 
um, yeah. to it. Like, uh, um, it's, uh, like he's got his, his own sort of attitude to it. Um, just like, it's, it's like a, a very different song, almost different feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he does a really good job on the, on the acoustic guitar too. He sounds awesome. It's like a folk punk version. He's really digging into it. He's a very furious strummer, <laughs> which I love. And he, and he gives it a little screamy energy, which is fun. And then we've got uh, Luke Hennish on YouTube with a chiptune cover. I was pleasantly surprised. You'll find so many chiptune covers of classic They Might Be Giant songs, but of a new They Might Be Giant song, it's a little more of a rarity. So let's check this out. Luke Hennish. What do you think of this one? Um, so uh, my husband explained to me what a chip tune means because um, he was that he was there when I was opening things and I was like chip tune what and he's like I love chip tunes I'm like you're gonna have to explain that to me um, I I really liked this <laughs> he yeah. did too he was like he was he was really digging it um, uh, it's uh, I want to listen to more um, of his things more chip tune things now <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah there's someone. Max, I think, that did the entirety of Flood, the entire album, Chiptune. Uh, it's, it's um, I mean, especially for people our age who grew up on the classic Nintendo systems and just yeah. the sounds of those, the chips, the, you know, the sound chips, you know, that uh, those had in them. It's just, it's like taking a song you love and giving it like, just like infusing it with nostalgic, you know, video game yeah. vibes. If if everything could sound like the Sonic Two soundtrack, I would just love <laughs> everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a sucker for this chiptune stuff. It's great. Uh, so then, the weirdest thing, <laughs> the weirdest thing I found, they might be SpongeBob's is a YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Brontosaurus AI cover. Now, really, what it is is the uh, it's like a karaoke track. With really fucked up vocals, so this, <laughs> they might be SpongeBob's. Let's check it out. It had been going so well, and then I broke my eggshell and entered the world as a Brontosaurus. 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 Here's my entire. Yeah, it sounds like Squidward, I guess, you know. I, what did you think? You know, I, uh, I, I'm I not the target audience, I'll say. Yeah, I'm like, I, I was just kind of like, okay, why? Like, I get some people in the comments are like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with this. This the best thing I've ever heard. Like, I guess this is not, it's not, I'm not the target audience. That's all. Now, is do you think it's really 
AI generated vocals or they say it is and it's just really just one of them doing a impression? I don't I don't think it's really AI um yeah, at all. No. I, I don't I don't think we're at a point where we can say um computer sing along to this song but with a different voice. Yeah. Like um maybe, maybe. Maybe. I'm not up on I'm not always up on the new technology, but I think this is an example of uh just because we can does that mean we should? <laughs> yeah, I mean all the AI stuff I've seen like they are you know songwriters are concerned about AI, you know, writing songs you know, original compositions and stuff like that, computer generated compositions. Yeah. But yeah, like, could you take an existing track and tell it to sing over it like that? I don't know. I just not sure how you'd, you know, what site would you go to, to spit out Mm -hmm. that thing? I don't know, but yeah, I feel like it's probably doable, but that sounded a little too polished maybe for it to be. Yeah. Like, I feel like something about it, keeping tempo and stuff would have been more off syncing up i don't know yeah <laughs> or they had or maybe they had ai just say the words and then they you know vocoder you know they they auto-tuned mm. it essentially to the pitches that's or something and, i mean that seems like a lot of <laughs> more work it could just yeah. you know pretend a very circuitous route yeah i'm yeah i don't know i haven't really delved into all that AI stuff. I have enough dumb hobbies taking up all my time. (laughs) (laughs) I waste my time in other ways. Uh, But nevertheless, it's a unique, it's a unique thing uh, for this podcast, you know, and I've done a lot of episodes with a lot of covers. Never had something like this before. You know, I've had a lot of certainly making some people on YouTube. Very, very happy. Yes. I, uh, I commented on it too. I said, holy shit, I'm going to play this on my podcast. I'd, I would like some of whatever they are on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some sort of something under the sea, I'd assume. Uh, we are uh, going to have to score this song right now. Mm-hmm. It is the scoring section and you must go first in your scoring. I am so bad at uh, making numerical judgments. Um, so I, I, you know, was thinking about it and I, um, I don't really know where I would put my, my one and my 10. So, um, I, uh, I'll just sort of, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's better than a five, um, maybe, uh, around (laughs) around seven or eight, maybe eight, let's say eight, eight. Okay. I don't know. It might be even higher than that. I've just like. Well, what, I've been thinking be about what I would compare it to. Yeah, yeah. Like what would be my 10? Like um, there's so many different versions of them that uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, birdhouse, I guess. Um, but uh, you know, there's some stuff on, I like fun that I absolutely love. Um, that is quite different from birdhouse. Um, yeah. And I, I think, uh, yeah, in terms of just like, um, it being really full and really fun, um, really uh, sing-alongable. I guess I should definitely give it some points for again for like no repeated um, verses and so many, so much words. Like sure. it, it's really like a um, uh, more lyrically dense for sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change my eight to a nine. 
Yeah. Right, that's that's what I'm going to say. There you go. Right, you talk yourself into it, and I th- I think you're on the right track. I think it's definitely nine plus. I'm trying to decide exactly. I'm scrolling through scores I've given here, and um, I loved. I broke my own rule when it came out. I know some people weren't crazy about that one. I still love it. I gave that a nine point five. Now that I'm looking back Ooh. on it, yeah. Um, and I. T- I do love it, and I feel like it has a little bit more of a unique tinge to it for you know for being a Linnell Pop TMBG song. It's got kind of its own flavor with all the scale-wise motion. It's just kind of um, and the kind of syncopated rhythms that it has. Yeah, Brontosaurus, think- though, is just I mean it's locked in. I I think I got to go. I, I think I'm gonna match you. Let's go nine. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I, if I, if I really think about, um, Linnell specifically, like Linnell songs, even Mm -hmm. though, um, even though I, I love Birdhouse, like so much, um, when I think of like a really good Linnell song, um, I think of Montana. I, I love Montana. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that that could be a 10 and, and this could definitely be a nine. It's a, it's got, it's got so much going on. Um, it's, it's. Yeah. It's complicated, it's weird, um, it's punchy, and it's sing-alongable. Yeah. Definitely. I'm. Yeah, I'm going nine. I'm just looking back at all these. <laughs> my God, I have such a stack of episodes here. My God, I'm just looking at how far ahead of my schedule I am. Are you also and ridiculously prolific? I just like talking about They Might Be Giants. What can you say? <laughs> well, you better like it at this yeah, point. <laughs> no, yeah, true, uh, and I do, and <laughs> I have lovely listeners who make it worth it. And you know, it was it was it, it was nice that even though I fucked up the hovering sombrero edit, there was some audio that had not buffered when I exported the file. Anyway, it came out with some gaps, like some silence in it. And like all these people were hitting me up like, like, did you know there's a mistake in this? There's a gap in this. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, God damn. On one side, I was like, God damn it. Now I got to go fix this and export it again. But then I was like, people actually listen to my episodes right when they come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're noticing these things. <laughs> yeah, I can't just like slip some mistake by and go, oh shit, fix that before anyone. Yeah, you, you need just... to like put something really like really bizarre just right in the middle and see how many people notice it. Like ask a question and see how many people answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't raise your hand if you did. Uh, I've, I always talk about every time there's something with like backwards singing or fake backwards singing or whatever. I'm like, what if I just put this whole episode backwards? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that. So, uh, Laura, do you have anything you want to tell the people about? Um, I don't really do anything. <laughs> I'm just here. <laughs> um, I, I tutor online from home. That's really all I do. And um, I run and I have a knitting group that nobody comes to. Um, so it's sort of, Ooh, uh, um, come on. it's there. Is. People say they're coming, but they don't. So <laughs> that is, um, that's the extent of my books. Um, <laughs> well, is, do you have any knitted goods that people can purchase? Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I, I only knit stuffed animals. I've never knit any oh. clothes. It's, weird but um i think people would like knitted stuffed animals um i have not i I, i'm not at the level where um it will it would look you know look store-bought or not have any defects um so (laughs) i think they they come out 
adorable and like yeah. in photos they look great but if if you were to actually inspect it it would probably <laughs> not meet your standards um as something to purchase with money i'm sure they also take freaking forever <laughs> they right? take a long time i usually do smaller ones um but i'm getting more and more complicated ones um uh really um if uh, if anybody out there is interested in this kind of thing um, going on Etsy or Instagram and just n- searching like knitted stuffed animals. A lot of people know that you can crochet them. I'm America Rumi, but um, there's a lot of knitting patterns out there. If anybody is interested, I, yeah. they're not mine, but they're out there and they're, hmm. they're fun. Cool. <laughs> Do you want people to find you on social media? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fair I mean, enough. yeah, like, like, um, my Instagram is, is super public, but I just don't post anything. Like, I'm just not like fun to, to, <laughs> uh, well, what's your handle so I can post our, our photo um, on Instagram. I'm, uh, it's a, uh, a, and then underscore new leaf underscore overturned. Okay. I was already following you. There we go. Oh yeah. That's, okay. That's right. Yes. The gotcha. um the okay. uh, the order of our boreality is an adventure we have spurned. Um, <laughs> that's true. That's that's, <laughs> that's the thing that normal people say, and not just thinking like Giants fans. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the show and and talking about this. I've been waiting to talk about this song uh, for you know a long time now two years since this has come out you know this such a great song and it was great to learn about the reincarnated brontosaurus <laughs> back <laughs> from the dead yes. i know i know that uh you're you're probably going to now want to devote a whole nother podcast to um the history of uh nomenclature and taxonomy in dinosaurs uh, it is super interesting. <laughs> it does make me want to read, you know, read some books about dinos. Uh, and oh, and also thank you to everyone who called in and left a message. Uh, Susie, on behalf of your son and uh, Mel and Xander and Averin, thank you so much um, for, uh, you know, guesting, making guest appearances on this show um, to talk about your views on this song so uh with that uh people know where to find this might be a podcast but yeah you can leave me voicemails about other stuff too what are your thoughts on Brontus horus uh it's 224-801-2930 and yeah laura thank you so much thank you for having me Brontosaurus skin can be so horrible.